Welcome to another edition of TFC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We are in the studio today. I'm Greg Thomas, by the way. To my right, good friend and brother. Of course, you're familiar with David Ham. Hey, Greg. Glad to have you. And our guest today flew in. <laughs> We're so glad to have him. I'm going to say his name and then we'll come back and uh, you will be able to identify who he is. Uh, you'll see his name or you'll be familiar with the name at least. And that is the person of Chris Thomason. Chris, glad to have you with us. So glad you're here. And uh, we're going to be talking to Chris and picking his brain and yeah. <laughs> hearing about what God has on the horizon for what, uh, with what he's doing. Our scripture for the week is Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And certainly that's what we desire this podcast to do. Amen. Sounding praise the Lord, but of course, to encourage our listeners to praise God with us in the various capacities of ministry that you serve. And we're so glad that you've tuned in with us again another week right here on TSC Music. We're going to take a quick break, just give you an update on what's coming up. And we'll be right back with our guest, Chris Thomason. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, there's a story about a group of people, very much just like you and I, who were on a journey. But in the midst of their journey, a great, great storm arose. And it was so threatening to them that they began to feel that they weren't going to be able to make it. And in their distress, they cried out to Jesus and they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? It didn't seem like much of a prayer, but nevertheless, it was a cry that came from the heart. And the scripture tells us that he immediately arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, the Bible says, and said one to another, What manner of a man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's time to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. And we're back, and I'm so glad you're joining us with us in the studio again, Dave Ham and our guest, Chris Thomason. Chris, glad to have you, man. So glad to be here. Thanks, a lot Greg. of people are trying to figure out who you are, I'm and sure, yeah. those in the industry are going to know right away. Those who want to be in the industry are going to start to realize who you are. They're going to start seeing your name on the back of CDs and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Chris Tomlin. This is a different Chris. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Chris Thomason. But before we get into what you do and what you've done, Let's tell our people who you are. Who is Chris Thomason? Where are you from? Where are you raised? Give us all the, all yeah, the early yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, I'm glad to do that. Uh, uh, I started out life in a small town in Alabama, uh, Tuscumbia, Alabama, to be Tuscumbia. exact. It's in the northwest corner I've of never Alabama. Heard of that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's actually the birth, it's kind of the fame, uh, the claim to fame is it was the birthplace of Helen Keller. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So uh, cool. Helen Keller's home is there, and it's a, it's a great town. Uh, small town. We're attached to three other cities there, uh, Sheffield, Alabama, Florence, mm-hmm. Alabama, which was the birthplace of W.C. Handy, so it's got a good blues okay. type background to it, and Muscle Shoals, Alabama, yeah. which in the 1970s was called the hit recording capital of the yeah, world. Wow. And uh, that's really uh, what captured my first attention in music was all the music that was going on in the city. And it was everything from Motown had an office there and was doing recordings to um, a lot of country artists and mm-hmm. everybody from Paul Simon to Glenn Fry from the Eagles and lots of different people were doing things there. Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. uh, did the uh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T yeah. record right. there. They're in mobile. And, uh, yeah, and so that was pretty cool. So at an early age, I got really involved. I, I grew up in a, a Christian home, uh, great uh, and godly uh, mom and dad, and uh, I was in church every Sunday. Uh, as you can imagine, in Alabama, we were singing a lot of uh, gospel-type uh, music mm-hmm. and southern gospel-type mm-hmm. music. And actually, at a very young age, started learning to read what most people don't even know about now, which is called shaped notes. And that's where the whole <laughs> do re me thing comes yeah, into yeah. play, you know. And, wow. and they actually had hand motions. You can't see me on the podcast, but they uh-huh. actually had hand motions for the do re me. Yeah. And that's how you learn how to sing. Amazing. I don't think did. anybody does that anymore. That's right. I don't yeah, think no, that, no. that. I don't think so anymore either. And uh, we would have uh, all day singings and dinner on the ground. We used to call mm. it. Uh, all day dinner and singing on the ground, you know, <laughs> That's and good um, stuff, so it was really good stuff for a small country church, and it was really good. Wow. But I, I, I grew to love at a very early age 
uh, seeing people come together and worship and uh, just the family atmosphere of everybody singing these songs Mm -hmm. together. And so uh, my mom and dad uh, are not musicians, uh, uh, but really encouraged me, which Mm -hmm. was... uh, something uh, uh, that has played a huge part in my life going along. Um, went through high school and did a lot of singing choirs, was in the band, was a drummer growing up, played in the jazz band, had a lot of different kind of things there, was in a group that went around and sang, you nice. know, and that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, when I graduated from high school, I was trying to decide what I was going to do. And um, uh, I couldn't decide whether I was going to go the uh, percussion drum route or if I was going to go the singing route. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to decide. So I applied for everything. And I um, actually ended up with a uh, scholarship uh, offer from Berkeley School of Music for percussion mm-hmm. and from Auburn University for uh, voice. And so I ended up at Auburn on a voice and composition degree. And so uh, my undergrad was in voice, kind of a double major voice and composition Mm -hmm. from there. And so much more um, classical training, uh, but I knew that that's not probably where I was headed as far as a really in my kind of as I was putting things together, I knew I didn't want to become a teacher as such. Nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't who I was. I wasn't going to be a choral director and that sort of thing. So I was still trying to figure all of that out. Writing songs, some started writing uh, during that period of time. And uh, because of who I am personally, a lot of that came out as Christian songs and worship songs and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. On the weekends, I was leading worship at a church while I was in college. And so... Uh, so that was a great experience and getting some experience there in the church. Um, after I graduated from Auburn, um, I started doing some recording, went back to Muscle Shoals and worked with a really good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Lenny LeBlanc. Yeah. And uh, Lenny, you may know, he's the guy who wrote uh, There's None Like You worship mm-hmm. song. Uh, and uh, yeah. he was the co-writer on Above All and nice. so yeah. um, and many other songs. Yeah, but yeah. Lenny uh, was a huge influence in my life. And so um, I one day I was talking to him. I said, you know, I really love the technical process of putting all of this together. Even though I'm a creative guy, I really enjoy uh, figuring out how it's going to sound and almost the blank palette or the blank canvas to take the palette of colors of music and putting together something. Nice. And, yeah. um, and uh, he said, well, you need to meet a friend of mine. His name is John Phelps. And John is founded a school in Orlando that actually does uh, recording production. And uh, the name of that school is called Full Sail University yeah. in uh, Orlando. So I, I went to Orlando and went to school at Full Sail wow. and got a recording engineering and production degree. And, uh, Full Sail is still cranking them out. Too, still man. cranking still out, cranking man. Out. And yeah. now, they, now they've really expanded. They've got a film school there yeah. and a wow. video game school and... They've got guys all over the world doing yeah, pretty cool. amazing stuff, yeah. and um, so it was an honor to be on the front end of that of that <laughs> yeah. school and, and what they were doing. And and from there, I was actually um, trying to decide where I wanted to land and and what I wanted to do. And I was actually on my way to Los Angeles to a job interview uh, at a production company out there. And I had a friend who graduated from Full Sail who said, "Hey, why don't you come by Nashville?" He was working in Nashville and mm-hmm. love. For you to meet some of the people here and and so uh went by and uh, i'll make this long story <laughs> shorter try to uh is that uh ended up meeting some people in nashville and ended up staying in nashville got a job at a studio there called hummingbird studios mm-hmm. and hummingbird actually produced jingles and their main clients were wrigley's gum and dodge and pepsi and they had offices in Chicago and here in New York. Yeah. And um, so for the next two years, excuse me, I um, was able to work in the jingle business <laughs> and uh, travel to Chicago and New York and got to meet people and work on different projects. And uh, it was it was a great experience. I yeah. always said that doing jingles is like doing an entire record in one day. You yeah, have right. to do everything, yeah. cut it and edit it it's and get fun, it up. Though, the it? It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of fun. And uh, so... Uh, during that two years, I got a really good handle. The interesting thing about Hummingbird was, though, it was a Christian-owned company. So a lot of the musicians who were doing the jingles were on the road on the weekends with Christian wow. artists, and during the week, they were working in the studio. Hmm. 
so I got to meet a lot of people who were influential in the industry and started working with them. People who were in Amy Grant's band and Michael W. Smith and traveling with other people. And, and so that was really uh, a great experience. Sure. Uh, from there, I went to work for a record label in Nashville and ran their studios for them. Uh, it was a studio called Goldmine Studios, which uh, uh, we had the opportunity to work with. Uh, uh, Stephen Kirsch Chapman did his first record there, and Amy Grant, and B.B. and C.C. Winans. And this was in the era of time, because I'm an old guy, this was an uh, <laughs> era of time when... Uh, uh, they were working and Whitney Houston was a part of some of the things that they were doing. Okay. And so, so we got to be a part of, of seeing all of that and right. working with the producers and engineers. And so it was a, it was a really neat time. And, um, then, uh, we actually, with four other guys, I started our own studio and production company and we were producing about 10 uh, records a year and about half of those were for labels and about half of them were for independent ministries. Mm -hmm. Some of those churches, some of those independent artists that were out there traveling and ministering and uh, we, I had a real passion and still do for that and so it was a, it was a good experience. Fast forward a bit, 1992, uh, uh, my wife and I just had our first child and had another one on the way and I got a call from a guy by the name of Don Moen. <laughs> And uh, uh, now, that name ring a bell? Why yeah, yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. And especially uh, in '92, it yeah, seems. <laughs> yeah. Everybody would know Don from "God it, Will Make a Way." It yeah, rings loud. Exactly. Yeah, and and uh, uh, I'm the God that healeth thee. If you go back that far, right, and, right. and and uh, uh, so uh, Don called me uh, one morning. I was at the house, and so you're going to love this. This is a, this is a great part of the story, and how God <laughs> can use you in spite of yourself. Mm -hmm is that uh, I was always kind of the pop R&B guy. That's what I was producing and what we were doing. My wife, on the other hand, was a worship leader, and she taught uh, worship seminars for women's groups and wow. led worship and, um, and that sort of thing. And so uh, she uh, was always telling me, hey, you need to listen to this, and this is what this is. So Don called me, and he said, hey, I, I want to have a conversation with you. We're looking to change the way we're doing some things, and your name has come up, and I know you probably don't know everything we're doing, but would love to talk to you about that. And so, um, honestly, guys, I did the whole normal Christian thing. I said, <laughs> hey, man, thanks for calling. I tell you what, I'll talk to my wife about it. We'll pray about it, and I'll call you back. That was that was the answer to Don. You hung up the phone and told your wife, That's "Pack right. your bags." I, no, I, I, no, it's actually the opposite. You, you're gonna you're gonna love the story because I hung up the phone and she said, "Who is that?" And I went, eh, "Some guy named Don Moen." And she was like, "The Don Moen?" And I said, "I don't know. He was a Don Moen." And she said, "She said, well, what did he say?" And I said, "Well, he said." You know, he's got this opportunity, wanted to talk to me about it. She said, well, what did you tell him? I said, well, I told him we would pray about it. But of course, and and here's the part that I, we didn't say was that Integrity Music, who he worked for, was based in Mobile, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so this is how God uses your, you know, to show you got too much pride in your life. I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he just said he had an opportunity and she said, well, what else? And I said, well, there's, we'll pray about it, but there's no way I'm moving to Mobile, Alabama. Why would I do that? Why would I move out of Nashville to Mobile, you know? And so uh, it wasn't long after that, that uh, fortunately, by the way, guys, my wife is much more godly than me. And she said, hey, I hear these are awesome guys. You should, you should really have a conversation. Wow. So we uh, made a trip to Mobile. And we're going to spend a day. We ended up spending four days. And at the end of the time, um, uh, I was, uh, it was a pivotal moment, not only in my career, but my walk with the Lord in mm -hmm. that I met people who were in the music industry who were not doing it for music industry reasons. Mm -hmm. And God had really raised up a company of, of people who were doing it because they really wanted to see people enter the presence of God. Wow. And so we were there for, uh, as I said, for four days. And at the end of that time, I'll never forget it. We're riding down the main drag in Mobile, which is not very big, by the way. We're driving down Mobile, uh, Airport Boulevard, and, and my wife looked at me. And she said, what do you think? And I said, I think I would clean toilets for this guys, for mm, these wow. guys. 
Um, wow. And uh, it sent us on a journey, and I'll make this part real short, uh, uh, is that uh, for the next 13 years, uh, we were at Integrity, and um, I was the senior vice president and general manager over the five labels mm-hmm. that were there. And uh, we were head of the creative area and the music publishing area. And Don and I were executive producers and um, awesome. on all the products that went out. And um, uh, what I would say to you guys is I always tell people, you know, we can all be very smart, but we're not that smart. God helped us a whole lot. That's and right. Do, during that period of time, we uh, did about a thousand records and uh, uh, sold about forty million units all over the world. Amazing! Uh, and uh, got to work with some amazing people, uh, uh, and the list is huge and long. And I won't try to say everybody, but uh, Ron Canoli and uh, Paul Balash and Hillsong and uh, you know a host of people that. God brought into our lives and allowed us to be a part of helping them facilitate their ministry. Um, also, really interesting, I will say this because I'm always amazed at what God did when we did a little partnership uh, that ended up being a big partnership with Time Life Music on a group of uh, albums called Songs for Worship. Mm. Uh, Songs for Worship uh, was a TV brand that Time Life Music did, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, we sold uh, a little over 26 million units wow. of that product uh, worldwide, and it is still the largest selling music product in the history of Time Life Music. Wow. And uh, you got to say glory to God about that because of all the things you see them do sure. on only all the classic rock right, and all the right. sort of things yeah. that the worship, the songs were, are still the largest selling product that they've amazing. ever done. And so uh, it was really amazing. So we were there for 13 years and it was uh, uh, an amazing journey and a great journey. And in 2003, um, uh, I really started feeling like God was calling us to something else. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what it was. Um, I argued with him for a really long time about it, to be honest with you. Uh, Just saying, you know, because I felt like what we were doing was so encompassing. And we had uh, offices in the UK, Australia, Singapore, and South Africa. Uh, We were able to really, I think, uh, in some ways, unify the church uh, as a part of what God was allowing us to do by the songs that were being sung. Right. You know, the shout to the Lord's, the above all's, the there's none like you's, those, and the list goes on and on. And you sang some of those today when mm-hmm. we were in the service, how firm, a, I mean, a, a firm foundation and some right. of those songs that they were there. And uh, it was an honor to be mm-hmm. a part of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and um, so I was like going, God, you know, why would you move me at this point in time, you know. Uh, but it started becoming really, really obvious that uh, – uh, and I, I tell people this. I had a friend from South Africa who said this to me because I was praying through this, and uh, that said this is like you know how an eagle feathers its nest and put its eaglets in there. Mm-hmm. You know, most birds just kick the birds out when they right. the, the small birds out to teach them to fly. Mm-hmm. The eagle doesn't do that. The eagle actually pulls the feathers out of the nest until the eaglet is so uncomfortable <laughs> that it has to leave. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's really what God did to us mm. is it was there was no real reason to leave. Nobody was unhappy. There was right. no problem. But it just started being more and more like we were feeling like God was saying, it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2005, uh, we made the move. And uh, uh, it was uh, incredibly hard and challenging for us just because of leaving the people that we loved and what we were doing. Sure. But it was also very exciting because we really did feel like as the music industry had started to change and combining that with the experience that God had given us, that we were moving into a new chapter. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, we started a a new company uh, at that point called Insight Media, and that's spelled I-N-C-I-I-T-E. And uh, Insight um, started out doing music, but the mission statement of the company is this, which, by the way, is my personal mission statement as well, which is this, helping build God's kingdom by creating remarkable experiences through media products and events that are culturally and spiritually relevant. Mm. And so it comes in three core values, Mm -hmm. the first value being helping build God's kingdom, which is serving facilitating. Mm -hmm. The second one is experiences, 
And so that may be music, mm-hmm. maybe a podcast, yeah. maybe okay. a simulcast, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. It may be a different type of media product. And as we know, the media industry is changing dramatically and how right. people get their products and, and how they uh, actually interact yeah. with not only products in general, but also how they're interacting with their faith. Yeah, uh, And then the last part is being relevant. So whatever type of product we're doing, we want to make sure that it's reaching the people that we're trying right. to talk to. So, um, like that. yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's where we started. Um, we started on the music side, uh, the uh, label side of our company. Uh, we work with uh, Don Moen now, who is with us. Awesome. And, uh, uh, Gateway Church out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, which you guys sang Revelation song this yeah. morning in the yeah. service. That's one of their songs. Uh, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, which uh, started in 2000. They're about a 35,000 member congregation. <laughs> Unbelievable! Um, it's wow. a it's a it's a really amazing place. Uh, we also work with uh, Robin Mark. Uh, a lot of people will know Robin. He's a worship leader from Belfast, Ireland, who wrote the song "Days of Elijah." Mm. Uh, a lot of people know Robin oh, yeah. from that. Uh, we work with Lenny LeBlanc, uh, as we mentioned earlier, and um, and then we have several other products that we've done that are um, products that uh, have helped facilitate other ministries. The last four Max Licato books, we've done all the media products around that, that sort of thing. And then um, uh, three years ago, uh, God uh, opened up a door for us to be a, started to be a part of simulcast events. And so we're actually uh, helping either capture or produce simulcast events with the division of our company called InCast Events. Mm-hmm. And InCast... Um, then uh, works with churches literally all over the world to license those events into their churches mm-hmm. so that they can have people come in. We work with uh, Max Licato and Lee Strobel and Francis Chan, mm-hmm. um, uh, Joel Rosenberg, uh, Women of Faith. We do two events with Women of Faith every year and, and various other people. We've done about 24 of these events. And uh, it's really a blessing because there are a lot of um, small and medium-sized churches and some large churches mm-hmm. that could never have some of these people come to where mm-hmm. they are. But this actually gives them a way to have an event and an outreach in their community and encourage their people Pipe by doing it. In, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then the last part of our company is a production part of our company, and we do some production of some of these events, uh, but we've also produced a couple of tours for Women of Faith mm-hmm. and uh, some other one-off events that we've done. Um, the only other person I didn't mention on the label side, and, and uh, we've talked about her before, is a girl named Heather Headley. Mm-hmm. And Heather uh, is um, uh, a Broadway, R&B. She's done a gospel record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Heather right now is starring in the show The Bodyguard. She's playing the Whitney Houston role. It's in London and it's coming to Broadway next year. Wow. And uh, so we did a project for Heather last year called Only One in the World. And um, and so uh, Heather's the other person that we're working with. So that gives you a bit of an overview. But it's again, awesome. the point is um, God gave us a mission. Yeah. And our our whole goal is to interact with the uh, and filter everything through that mission statement, the why. Yeah. behind what we're doing and and that's really kind of if you guys need to know if if my if you boiled all of this down into what i do and why we do as a company what we do is i'm trying to help other people not only facilitate the why behind what mm-hmm. they do yeah. but to take it to the next level right. yeah. of helping expose that to a larger group of people so that people well, you got can got a lot going on. You're yeah. pretty, pretty busy. Well, as <laughs> I said, God's helped us. I'm not going to yeah. tell you we're all that smart. We're <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's just, it's an incredible testimony of just the journey you've been on. I can just yeah. sit and yeah. listen for really a while here, man. That's great stuff. Well, I hope I didn't bore you. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Not at all. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, though. Sure. And come right back. You're with us here at TC Music with Chris Thomason. And we're going to get back in here right after this break and pick his brain a little bit right Oops. after this message. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God is good. His power. 
God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is a husband to the widow. God is the one with your answer. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio, where God is. And we're back, and we are having a wonderful conversation with Chris Thomason, just hearing about the journey uh, how he grew up in this little town in Alabama. You're still in Alabama, is that right? No, we're in Nashville. You're in Nashville. Yeah, we moved back to Nashville uh, after a week. <laughs> <laughs> So that first feeling that you had, <laughs> you went back to, back right. to your first love. Right? Back to Nashville. <laughs> in Nashville. I had a chance to see your wife in worship today. Oh, yeah. And man, she's a worshiper, man. She, she just gets worshiper. in it. Yeah. Uh, she was having a blast over there. But now I understand she's, she's a worship leader yes. or has been. Yeah, she was on the Women of Faith worship team for seven oh, years. Okay. Um, and uh, she's had a ministry for the past 17 years to children. She's a character called Miss Patty Cake. Really? And uh, Miss Patty Cake's Patty got Cake. about 12 videos. And, yeah. And she travels, uh, does about 40 concerts a year in uh-huh. churches. That's awesome. Uh, all, all over the United States and other places. And, right. And uh, so she's had an amazing ministry to preschoolers and their their families that's uh, great for a long time no guest has been with us and in, in, without singing or playing so i know you play drums and we don't have drums here but that's good if you have a microphone you have to <laughs> sing something later okay. before you go <laughs> before you go now you were with integrity and now you've got uh insight right. and uh, a couple other uh entities happening which is exciting because it's it's uh, it really does show the journey and then it shows that the journey continues that yes. God is doing some different things, but yet you, you you laid out the purpose so very clearly why you do what you do which which I love. Uh, a lot of times people will call and ask, and we've had this conversation, Dave and I, and other mm-hmm. other guests on the program, with regards to ministry and industry, and you hit mm-hmm. on it a little bit in your opening comments with regards to uh, uh, integrity and people that you met. Mm-hmm that are not doing it for industry purposes, but for ministry purposes. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Not necessarily from the integrity side of things, but just from the industry purpose and the ministry purpose. Yeah, I I think the challenge becomes for any of us, um, and this goes a lot even for churches, but definitely in the music industry side or the media entertainment side, is where you're walking that fine line between commerce and ministry. Right. Because at the end of the day, you've got to have enough commerce exactly. to continue doing what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's always the challenge for a lot of people. And and the the idea of this is also my vocation mm-hmm. is is that you have to provide for your families right. and that sort of thing. So that's that's hard to explain sometimes to people um, who are consumers or f- mm-hmm. especially faith-based consumers because sure. they're going, well, we don't understand. I mean, I thought you were doing this for the Lord. Right. <laughs> well, I am doing it for the Lord, but if I can't eat, right. I I can't do more projects that are going to bless you, you know, right. which, you know. And am I even honoring God if I'm not taking care of my family? Exactly right. <laughs> and and so it, it becomes, a, it becomes a, a real challenge, I think, for a lot of people. Unfortunately, what happened, and this is my personal opinion, this mm-hmm. is not a factoid of like you can go and look it up somewhere. I'm just going to tell you my personal opinion. I think the challenge that we've got as an industry as a whole and the faith-based side of things is that one day somebody decided to put Christian in front of music. Mm. So no longer were we just music right. that had a message. We were Christian music, and so... The hard thing that happened was we then had to have not only Christian music, but we had to have a structure to conduct business. Right. But the only structure that was out there for conducting business was a model that was set up by secular companies. Wow. Right? So what we did was, and I say we, I wasn't around when it was done, but but what, what the industry did was take the model contract contracts and agreements and the way things operated because it was working for the secular side of things right. and they laid that over the top of the Christian music industry. Mm. So all of a sudden it even became harder to walk that fine line because your business structure didn't leave you a lot of leeway to be in ministry some sure. days. Mm. Sure. Cuz you had 
like everybody else, you had attorneys and agreements and right. all of the things. And so people ultimately got treated differently. Yes, exactly right. From the business side of things. That's exactly right. And so it set up these kind of boundaries and hard lines on what you could do and what you couldn't do. And as the industry grew, the people creating the content developers were the people who had the mission and vision and it was coming out of that. And we were wanting to capture that and get it to a larger group of people. Mm -hmm. But you had this kind of filter that you had to go through, which was the business filter. Yeah. And that's, to me, where things got convoluted as the industry grew. Because money, as you know, changes things for mm-hmm. people a lot of times. Sure. The lack of it or the abundance <laughs> of it. One or the other. Yeah. And uh, so I, I really do believe that's sometimes where the conflict comes in for most people. But also the industry got big enough where there were people wanting who were Christians who were wanting a career in music mm-hmm. and not necessarily just Christian music. They just wanted a career. Right. And it was an easy path for them to go to work for a Christian company. Right. But they didn't necessarily were there because of mission and vision. They were there because of vocation. Right, right. Again, nothing wrong with that. We all have vocations. Mm-hmm. There are Christian plumbers. There are Christian sure. construction people. Sure. There are, so that, that that's not really the issue. The issue comes down to the conflict of why the music gets from one place to the next place mm-hmm. or how it does. How it does yeah. The why behind it, which is what I always say is the why is the important part. Right. And how do you not lose that why as you're going through the process? Yeah, that's good. And you pretty much have to have that foundational. That's right. That space, that allotted foundational space, you know, is either in your heart and in your mind when you go into this, mm-hmm. you know, knowing why you do what you do. So that your motivations are pure and you're not sidetracked by the possibility of the abundance of, right. of, of riches. Um, you, when, you, when you talk about ministry and you talk about industry, uh, because Integrity did it well. You guys did it exceptionally well. You got songs from point A to point Z. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and beyond, you know, uh, and around the world. How do you, for, for our listeners, how do you take a song, craft it, or maybe somebody else crafted it and you just added, you know, some whipped cream mm-hmm. on top and you take it from the studio and you get it into 40 million churches or whatever mm-hmm. the number is. How, how, do, how, does an, how does an integrity or Chris or anybody on your team, how do you do that? Yeah. Um. That's a hard question. <laughs> because a lot of people think that you just get a recording contract, yeah. you record it, put it in a store, or put it online now, and, and all <laughs> you, the magic happens. you got to right. give us the podcast version. That, that <laughs> exactly. That's a loaded question. Yeah, I know. That, that is, that is like a, <laughs> that's like a three-day answer, actually. Exactly. Um, the short version of the integrity thing is over 20 years, mm-hmm. integrity developed its kind of own proprietary machine. And, and okay, I'm taking out what I say, just the spiritual part. I'm just going to tell you about the, yeah. the wor- inner workings sure, of yeah. it. Uh, it's, Integrity started as a direct-to-consumer club because at the point right. where we started doing live praise and worship, uh, there actually wasn't a retail presence for praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, used to, we used to like joke that uh, praise and worship was in behind the counter in a in a brown bag and people had to come in and find it and ask for it because it wasn't out on the shelves. Um, but it really did start out of the movement of worship. And that was in the mid eighties, actually before way before I was at integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a magazine that uh, spoke to a lot of worship leaders and pastors. Um, and it was called new wine magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually then made some live present worship available to the subscribers of that magazine. And what ended up happening was the concept, and I'm gonna, your A to Z thing is, is, is a good question, because what ended up happening was all of these people were looking for songs and new songs in their worship. How do we feed new songs mm-hmm. into our life of our church on a weekly basis? And they wanted something, but they didn't know how to find it. They know how to get it. Um, and they and, didn't have the internet. And they didn't have the internet <laughs> right. at that time. They, yeah. And, and by the way, this was all on cassettes right, at this time. Right, it wasn't right. even, CDs didn't exist exactly. in the mid-80s. Right. So um, Integrity actually 
uh, because of God, kind of fell into this thing of where these hungry people searching for music and songs found a place and a source for it. Mm. Integrity, what ended up happening was they were going out and finding um, uh, worshiping churches, much like your church, and finding that and harvesting what was happening, new songs that were happening, and then put that through the club. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening, though, is the club grew so much and so fast, they couldn't find enough churches that were doing things. Again, you've got this quality issue. Right, you know, you, right. A lot of churches doing worship, but they couldn't record right. uh, to the level that needed to go out to a mass audience. Mm-hmm. So Integrity started recording their own. They would go out and find these places and then would bring in the teams to record it and then put it out. From there, it started growing in retail at that point started going there and then the international offices happened so integrity kind of had this kind of proprietary thing that they that god had really given them to protect that not only their mission statement which was um uh you know uh helping people worldwide experience the manifest presence of god Mm -hmm. that was the mission statement that was the why behind what we were doing and and so that machine then was able to capitalize on new songs, getting them into the churches on a regular basis. And so mm-hmm. that's that's where it all started. Right. And then there were other uh, great companies, Maranatha, Vineyard, and some of these other uh, places that were able to then do a similar thing and getting those mm-hmm. songs out there. The challenge today, all right, let's fast forward from that. Mm-hmm. Here's a company that started in a very unique way, mm-hmm. in a time there was no internet, no way of getting anything. Fast forward to today. Uh, the music industry has changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, it is very fragmented mm-hmm. in actuality. Um, it does not mean the same thing today as it did 10 years ago sure. of having a record deal. Whatever right. you know, I'm doing my fingers up in the air, guys, of <laughs> quote, unquote, record deal. Um, and you can't just record something, put it on something and send it out and think that people are going to just automatically find it because right. our sources have become so varied in how you find music right. and how you get music and, and where it goes. So, so that's the challenge of today. The good news is there are some things, um, that are still available uh, to those of us who are doing, still working and still doing this thing, mm-hmm. uh, that um, uh, are able to still get songs into the churches. Some of those are direct to churches. Some of those are through the internet and digital downloads. There still is a retail presence, right. and there's some really good Christian retail stores, and even Walmart and some of the places are still carrying music, mm-hmm. uh, not as much as they used to. Sure. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the challenge becomes, and the opportunity becomes, of how we actually get directly to people and the music to yeah. into their hands. And the fact that there's so much more material available now, right. because you do still get tons of the basement recording stuff yep. that's still posted online. Yep. You can still buy it, and but it's in the same place. It's right next to the high-quality, high-produced product. Yeah. online as well. Doesn't that create some kind of dynamic that yeah, makes it a little the, more difficult for The, for the challenge industry? comes down to, again, walking this fine line of commerce and ministry. Yeah, right. The expertise of actually how you get it into the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, anybody listening to us today can probably record something and you can figure out a way to get it up on various digital service providers. Mm-hmm. Digital service providers are, of course, the iTunes of the world, the CD babies, the the Amazons, the, those places. You can figure out how to get it out there. The question is exactly what you're talking about, the the difference in the quality and the ability to let people know about it. No, it's there. That, that's where the, the rub comes in yeah. of doing that. And some people have a bigger platform than others mm-hmm. uh, to do that in the initial phase. And then some people have to develop that platform. And and so that, that could take a little bit longer. Wow. Chris, you're hitting on so many areas that we've discussed with this, in this podcast with the previous guests uh, before. But to have you here is an honor because uh, we, we've got somebody who's a veteran in the, in the industry. Uh, I, I know you say you're 
You, you're, you're young, and you are. <laughs> no, actually, you said you were old. No, I am old. You're I, actually I, pretty I old. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm young, for sure. <laughs> oh, but you've been in this for, for a minute, yeah. you know, yeah. as the young people would say, for a good minute. And so you've seen both sides of this. And just hearing how you describe the two sides and what's necessary on the industry side, because a lot of times in the Christian world, we don't want to talk about the commerce side of it, or we don't want to talk about, it seems this it's taboo to talk about the fact that I'm in business to make money and that there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but if that becomes the, if, if that becomes your motivation, your sole motivation, then you've, you've also missed the Christian or the godly side of this. And so, uh, there's gotta be, it's a very delicate balance, a very fine line, as you said earlier, to be able to walk that line, uh, understand that yes, we're in the business for, for, for making money, but ultimately at the end of the day, that's also, you know, it's not only profit, but it's kingdom profit, if I can put it that way. That's right. Uh, and, uh, and I think the motivation always has to first be the winning of souls. And then, of course, if you can make, if you're savvy enough to marry the two, and apparently integrity has been, uh, I'm just, I'm just blown away that even today, after I don't know, twenty something years, some of the songs that integrity has put out twenty plus years ago, yeah. people are still singing today. Now, in your opinion, what is it about the song that gives it that longevity? Is is it because somebody like an integrity placed it in the church, and so it becomes church property in a sense, or is it the content? Is it something? Is there a stamp on that on that song? Well, um, there there are some practical answers to that, mm-hmm. and there's some not so tangible answers uh, for that. The practical answers to the, to that are that a lot of those songs were uh, created in the midst of uh, either the overflow or the investment of the word of God into people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I would say that the best content has come out of people who sit under great teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first part. Absolutely. It's got to start with some really amazing content. Secondly, then you've got people who are very skilled at what they do, right? They're very good songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we, as a publishing company, have through the years tried to help people hone their skills and help them develop those songs as mm-hmm. a partner in that. So you you want everything to be great musically, of course, and you want the lyrics and the words to be able to, uh, especially a worship song, mm-hmm. be able to be grabbed and then, um, for lack of a better word, regurgitated back. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it, 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 you have to have people who can grab a hold of those songs and, right. and grab we, them. We call it congregationally friendly. That's exactly yeah. right. You yeah. want it to be, that's right. You want it to be congregationally friendly and people to enter into the presence of God very quickly as far as being able to sing along and participate. So there were, there were a bunch of criterias for how a song is done, how it's developed. Okay. So all of that happens. And then of course, I have always and still believe that a quality recording is going to be uh, better than a mediocre one. Right. So the quality of the process of the recording and how we do the recording is very important. And um, so I think all of that played into it. Now, for the un- uh, for the non-tangible pieces, the things that you can't really define, uh, why does a song start being sung more than another song? Mm. Boy, I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> um, you know, there are songs that you hear for the first time, um, and one of those songs, I'll pick out one, I don't, there are literally hundreds, tens of thousands of them that we could all mention. But one of the songs I remember the first day I heard it was immediately it clicked and you knew and it was shout to the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear that song and you go, everybody I know is going to sing that (laughs) song, you know? And uh, our job, of course, was then to do whatever we could to help get that song to the masses so that the churches could sing it. Do, Do you sense that when you first hear it and then you decide that song needs to go to the world or... Is it, that's a great song, let's go through our regular routine of getting a song out and see um, what happens. I, I think it's a combination. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were there were a few things that played into that. Uh, it was Hillsong's uh, first recording, their first record outside of their internal church mm-hmm. that went out there. And, and I've always said that worship music and especially songs 
are a bit like a B-52 taking off. Okay. Because a B-52 is so heavy and so mm-hmm. big, right. a lot of times it takes a long time for it to get out of the air yeah. and get altitude. <laughs> but after it gets up there and everybody's there and it's working, it takes a long time for it to come down. Mm-hmm. And that's why everybody's still singing, shout to the Lord, <laughs> 20 years later. You know. And so I, I think that is something really good. The other part that you can't put a tangible piece on is what, is hap- what God is doing in the body of Christ. That's right. And so there comes a moment in time that a song hits a nerve mm-hmm. and everybody just says, yes, that's what God's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And and I would love to tell you we knew that when we heard the songs, but we don't. There's no way. And if yeah. anybody tells you they do, it's like, wow, that's an amazing process if you got that. Wow. But, uh, you know, nobody knew that some of those songs were going to touch uh, the body the way that they did but mm. they did they hit a nerve and people started singing them and they were singing them and still are everywhere mm. so. that's encouraging to the the young writer who's listening yeah uh, the young songwriter the young musician the young worship leader the young what have you even the young actor for that matter who yeah. who's aspiring to do something right. for god and wants to put their, their gifts and talents to use in the kingdom there's a great bible verse it's my it's my life verse and it's proverbs twenty two twenty nine, mm-hmm. and it says this do you see a man, and by the way, it's mankind, so it goes for girls too. Do you see a man skilled in his labor? Mm. He will stand before kings and not common men. Mm. It speaks to the fact that if we become skilled and diligent in what we're doing, right. that God is our promoter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man is not your promoter. God is your promoter, and God is going to open the doors for you to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And he's going to open the doors for whatever he has called you to do to be promoted. Yeah. And I, I think it's a very strong verse, especially for young writers and anybody in the media, because it gets discouraging sometimes. Mm-hmm. And 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 what I want to say is, yeah, the industry's changing and the business models are changing and it's really challenging, especially for us guys who've been around for a long time. It feels like we got one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. And the motor's not working quite right on the boat, but it's drifting out, and we're doing the splits. And it's very painful some days. But what I want to say is is that, is that the, still the purpose behind what you do, uh, if you're called to do it, That's right. that it is. And so yeah. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine really speaks to that. Do you see a man skilled in his labor? He will stand before kings and not common men. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You want to also make sure that the boat is close enough to the dock before you jump off. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> or that the motor's really fully built, too, that you, you're not going to get stranded yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. So you're in New York. I, I am. so glad to have you. We're glad uh, to Your be. wife is here. Yeah. And uh, again, you guys joined us for our 3 o'clock service today, and what a, what a pleasure. And we're going to be talking again a little more. Uh, but before we go, what do you want to say? What would you say to that young artist, that young musician, that young singer, that young worship leader? who's listened to this podcast, they've heard it from the horse's mouth in a sense. Um, somebody who's a veteran in the industry, who's been in the industry when it was at its peak, mm-hmm. and also rode the wave in a sense and watched it change, radically change, to where you almost don't even recognize the industry from what it looked like 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say to that young artist who's listening now and says, you know what, this is probably not something I want to do. 80, some 80,000 releases last year, and I'm just wanting, yeah. you know, one of those. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, what I would say is the the why, going back to the why mm-hmm. of what we do. Um, if you're called to do something and you know that you know, you know and you're knower on your inside, yeah. that you're supposed to do it, um, that's your first place. And, and really what I really highly suggest to anybody I talk to is that they actually develop a personal mission statement. Because your mission statement will help guide you Mm -hmm. and the compass for anything that comes along. So when something comes along that doesn't fit your mission, then you you know right away, I shouldn't be doing that. Right, right. Or if I'm on target to what God, and it doesn't mean that God can't change how your mission develops over your life and as you grow and as you change and what he has for you to do, but it's very important. And there are a few points to that and how you do that. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to develop your own personal mission statement, this is the way to do it. Define your culture. What are you about? Who are you? How do you do that? You list some words that are core to you. And you're the only person who can list those words. Mm -hmm. Can't ask your friends, can't ask your parents. You've got to decide 
what is core values in your life. Right. Okay. The second thing is you align all the things you want to do with those core values. And what's going to start happening is when you start aligning those ideas and you start writing them down, some things are going to fall off the page. Yeah. Because you're going to go, wait a second, this thing I want to do out there doesn't, doesn't align up. with yeah. my core values. Yeah. Okay. Then the third thing is you design the process. And okay, how am I going to get from point A to point B, which is actually developing the mission statement into his thing? And then the last point is you're always refining that. Mm-hmm. You're always saying, okay, am I in the zone? Am I doing it? Have I gotten off? If I gotten off base, am I doing the right thing? So what ends up happening for any young person trying to get into this? And by the way, for all of those of us who've been established, because I still go by this, mm-hmm. is that you're able to sit down and very quickly determine if you're off base or not, or on track or not. And it gives you fuel to continue. Right. Because you can go back to a moment in time, just as you can for those of us who've accepted Christ as our Savior. You can go back to the anchored point in your life and go, okay, I look back there and I remember what happened and the... It's the uh, what the children of Israel did in the desert. They built right. what we called Ebenezer's or places mm-hmm. that were points in time where they right. could go back and they would go, this is what God did in this moment. Mm-hmm. This is what a mission statement does for you as well. Because it, you go back and you go, all right, this is why I'm doing this. And it helps you give you fuel to keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is this. Become skilled at what you do. Don't just say... God told me to do it and go do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and um, some days that's funny and some days it's not funny when you're talking to somebody who has not taken the time to become um, a, a student of their craft. That's right. And, and let me tell you, it goes back to that Proverbs 22, 29 mm-hmm. verse is like, if you're not skilled, the doors just don't open as quickly. Right. Not saying God can't do it. Sure. I'm just saying it's much more challenging and much more difficult. So develop your mission. Become very skilled at what you do Mm -hmm. to the best of your ability. And then start, Mm -hmm. you know, meet people. Yeah. uh, Be in places where God can open those doors. Right, right. And um, so it's not rocket science, but maybe that will help a few people. that's good stuff. But if he's called you to it. That's and right. You got to know that you know. You gotta, don't, the feeling and you feel it. Yeah. You know? Can I tell you a really quick story? Sure. Um, I was talking to somebody not long ago who's in the industry, and there and and there are still some very big challenges in the industry from that commerce right. side of things, yeah. right? And I was talking to a friend. He's a good guy, and he's been in the industry for a long time. And I said, "Hey, man, how are you doing?" He said, "Man, Chris, it's very dark. So it's, it's very dark." And he said, "But you know, we're trying to hang in there, we're trying to do this." And I said. To him, you know, and this isn't a me. Uh, I just want you to know, in the spirit, this was said. I was just trying to encourage him as well as encouraging me. Actually, mm-hmm. is that I said, um, you know, this is what I know: is that when we got up this morning, is that the word of God hasn't changed. God is still God. He's still on the throne, and so uh, no matter what happens in the industry, and no matter what happens in the music business or the media entertainment industry is that we're still got to be about the purposes of God at the end of the day. We have to be doing what God's called us to do. And I'm going to let him worry about some of that industry yeah. stuff. I'm going to try to be smart in some of that th- those things because he's given me intelligence. But on the other side of that is there's a bunch of those things that none of us can change. Mm-hmm. you know. But I've got to be about the why of what we're doing. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. I mean, there's just so much uh, that you've just shared with us. Um, today. Um, and I hope, man, I listen for all you that are listening, you know, you listen to this podcast and then I need you to share it with at least two others <laughs> because you have just really just laid out to us, um, just, just a richness in your, your journey and your testimony. And you kept bringing us back to the why mm-hmm. and being called by God and knowing whether if God has called you to this, um, then you better know why you're doing it mm-hmm. from the beginning of your journey to the end of your journey, exactly right. you know, and then, um, man, thank you, Chris, too, for just um, expressing just the need to, to remain as a student to uh, as well too in this journey. I mean, for me, um, I just feel like I just got just another 
I took a class just now in this podcast. No, I'm serious. I took a class. Some of you have heard me talk more than than this, um, but for me, I'm just like just soaking up. Just really excited just to see what you're going to be doing further too with Insight Media. I'm so curious. I'm, I feel like we need another podcast even <laughs> to to go in that direction and just hear more. But um, but clearly. You've just continued to be a student yourself. Uh, I can almost safely assume that as now you've just expanded just into so many other diverse areas of media. Um, what an encouragement. What a testimony. Um, you rocked me with your thought on Christian music. Now I'm throwing up my quote signs, everybody. Um, and just being able to. And let me tell you, too, and we said it offline, too, about making sure that at the end of all of this, that you're not discouraged. Right. Um, and do not be discouraged um, because when God's called you to it, he's going to take you through it. He's going to complete the journey. Uh, he's going to see you through it. But there are some things that you and I, we have to do. Have to go through. We have to do. We have to be committed to it. Um, you better have your life verse down. Mm. You, <laughs> you better get your, your mission statement secure and it better make sense. You better follow it, live by it. Um, and you've just heard from Chris Tomlinson, uh, a, a living testimony of these principles that he's just laid out to us. Very, very grateful, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks sure. for having me. Yeah. It's been great. It's been awesome. Give give our listeners the websites again. Yeah, both. I'll do that. Uh, there are two websites you can go to, which are uh, insight.com, which is I-N-C-I-I-T-E. It's the word insight with two I's in the middle of it. Gotcha. And that's because we want to be a catalyst for helping ministry. Awesome. And that sort of things. And then the second one is incastevents.com, I-N-C-A-S-T events with an s on the end of it.com and you'll see some of the simulcast events we're doing there and uh, anyone in the new york area who's going to be around we're doing a, a, a live simulcast at the uh, salvation army headquarters on 14th street uh on 9 11 this year with max Lakato. Nice. and so we're going to be uh, excited to be there with max uh, yeah. this fall right here in the new york area so it'll be great well i think your wife is in the studio she is is she? <laughs> oh, she needs to, she needs to, I got to get her in here. Yeah, so, you got to uh, have her come in. <laughs> because beside every good man, there's a good really? woman. There she is. <laughs> Jean Thomason is here. I am. And uh, I told Chris I was going to pull you in. Um, and you're here. And he's already done all the talking, so... All you have to do is all the singing. He t- I do. I, I really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did the talking. I'll do the singing. You should have her do two things. You should. Ha- you should have her. Have her. Sing, if you want to have her sing, maybe part of a worship song. We've talked about a lot of worship songs. Uh, anything that's on her heart. But you all should have her do a patty cake song. Yeah, you got to share about the patty cake thing because I. It's so funny because when he mentioned it, I, I I see it. I don't know why I see it or saw it or I'm familiar with it, but I I vaguely remember it. And so tell them a little bit about that. Our oh listeners will love that because a lot of our listeners have young people. Especially for our girls. And right? we have young They're girls. We have little, little ones. Girls, so, yeah. What an adventure it is to follow God and, <laughs> um, and, and, always, and often surprising. Um, Chris and I uh, didn't meet until I was uh, 28 and had been singing and God had changed, got hold of my life, changed my heart um, while I was in um, in college, and I was singing musical theater and opera because I thought I was coming to New York <laughs> and going to do all kinds of fun and fabulous things. But the mm. Lord really took hold of my life. I heard a little bit about a life verse, and the verse for me is was and still is this Psalm chapter 40, verse 3, and it says this. He has put a new song Mm -hmm. in my mouth, and it is a song of praise up to God. And then the next part says, and many will see and fear and trust the Lord. Well, um, that was pivotal for for me many years ago because I started to say, but it was most many years ago, and I grew up in a very conservative Southern Baptist church, and I began to rack my brain. Okay, God has put a new song in my mouth. It's a song of praise. What is that? (laughs) And so I began a journey into finding out what was this thing called praise and Mm. how does praise walk you into worship what does that mean and um so i began singing and singing worship songs and learning a lot from what the word of god says about what does it mean to praise god it's always a verb always something you do and how does that like what psalm 100 says enter his gates with thanksgiving Mm -hmm. then further go further past that into the courts of god with praise sing clap dance 
um, um, play instruments, um, what is hallelujah, all that. But that took me into a, um, a life of music and ministry that I did not expect. And then he and I met, and by God's grace, and very quickly, just he said, um, wow, you don't know me very well, but God told me you're going to be my wife. <laughs> Whoa. So, I don't recommend it to everybody. <laughs> and the, and I said, really? You, and anyway, that's a funny story. But um, we married and moved to Nashville. And then later um, on, God took us to Mobile to work with Integrity Music. And we had two very small children very quickly. We had two children 16 months apart. And so I found myself in a new city knowing no one getting involved at a church just asking the lord well good, here i am what you know what am i doing next and i sang in the choir and i was doing and i had been a worship leader at a church in nashville um and some of the songwriters from Integrity Music had written songs that they called lap songs for little ones. Mm-hmm. And one of them was called Patty Cake Praise, which was an effort to take the nursery rhyme and marry it with a word mm-hmm. that says what to, what God tells us to do with our hands. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout uh-huh. to God. I always say with your outside voices. <laughs> um, so because I was living in that world, I had a funny thing happen to me one day. And that was that my daughter was singing and I'm singing worship songs around the house as we are want to do and I was singing he is exalted the king is exalted on high and my daughter said mommy why is God so tired <laughs> exactly she thought I said exhausted, exhausted. and I, you know that whole age appropriateness thing I was yeah. going okay God this is not working so one of the women who had written some of these songs came to me one day and she said I have an idea and all, we have this bank of songs. No one will ever hear these songs unless there's someone to sing them. Wow. And I said, you're, you're right. And she said, well, you're the one. And I said, <laughs> me? She said, yes, I can, you're the only person that comes to my mind. And I don't even know you very well. So she and I began to dream and um, plan and came up with the idea to create a happy um, uh um, teacher slash friend, sort of along the lines of a female Captain Kangaroo, but mm-hmm. I said um, I kind of called it a um, a cross between Pippi Longstocking and the Romper Room Lady. Did you have the Romper Room in New <laughs> Romper York? Room, I remember, okay. yeah. And um, and that turned into this character that we call Miss Patty Cake, and the idea is that she uses music to communicate spiritual truth that. Um, and she comes alongside moms and dads to using music mm-hmm. to um, so that the parents, these songs are so simple, parents can learn them and teach them to their children and sing them with their children. But it's to lay a spiritual foundation, yeah. a worldview that includes God um, using it, using media as the medium, because as we all know, media in our world, especially media that's geared to toddlers and preschool children is godless for mm-hmm. the most part. Well, you can... Mm-hmm. Go to PBS and everything. It's all good. It's all educational, right, right. but there's no God there. There's no. There's certainly no Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this started 18 years ago. <laughs> wow. And so um, I've been singing and clapping and praising God with little children and singing for babies. We have lullabies, and then we've got a bank of about 12 DVDs and books and games and um, fun stuff. But it, it's just we. It, every song. Um, Every song has hand motions, so that way it's all three learning styles. Little mm-hmm. ones can see it, they hear it, they do it, and um, it has been quite an amazing journey. So I love to tell people, be careful when you um, when you say to the Lord like Isaiah did in chapter 6 of his book when he said, Here am yeah, I, right. send me. <laughs> yeah. I said that, and God said, Wow, um, you're not going to believe where you're going. So, And you never know what you might wear. So I have a costume that has a hat, and I have gloves so children can see me. But it's a, it's a little jumper dress that has a big heart in the middle and two hands on the pockets because Miss Patty Cake says we have hands to clap, a heart to love, a voice to sing. Every song can give thanks and praise up to God. And that's why Miss Patty Cake always says, every day is a Patty Cake Praise Day. <laughs> oh, man, we got to get Miss Patty Cake here to TSA. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that would be awesome. Bring to New York. It Absolutely. is big. It's big, big, big fun. conversation with the children's ministry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell yes. our listeners where they can find it. Can they find that information oh, online? Oh, yeah. We've got... Um, um, I'm so savvy these days since my daughter is helping me. <laughs> um, miss, M-I-S-S, MissPattyCake.com. 
Um, you can find um, lots of stuff that we do. We have a YouTube channel. We have a Facebook fan page that's Miss Patty Cake. And um, it's for toddlers and preschool children. I say boys and girls ages one to five. After they're six or seven or eight, they're pretty much gone, you know, because yeah, they're yeah. ready to move to on. <laughs> I've got to a six year old and she's like sixteen already. Yeah, so there you have it. Like, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Sesame Street goes to Sunday school. <laughs> that's sort of the idea okay, of this. Cool. And so people who are parents who are looking for ways to talk to their children about the Lord, um, should consider this. Mm. Um Second Timothy three fifteen is one of my favorite scriptures. Um um, and that is where Paul is talking to Timothy, reminding Timothy who he is. And he says this, don't forget that from infancy, yes. you have known the Holy Scriptures, mm. which were able to make you wise unto salvation through Jesus. Mm. And when we consider from infancy, who was pivotal in his life? Well, it was Lois and Eunice, right. his, right. his mother and his grandmother. They were singing over that baby yeah. and they were singing the Psalms. And um, and again, in Deuteronomy chapter six, the word is so clear after it tells us to love God. Then it says, talk to your children mm-hmm. about the Lord all day, every day. And so we have little songs about when I rise up, when I lie down, when I walk along the way, I will give you praise all day. We give God praise. See, they, they can't see you right now. Our <laughs> listeners can't see you. Okay. Let me tell you, she is into this thing. Oh, she yeah. she loves what she does. And, and we incredible. thank God it's genuine. And we thank God for that. Well, I told Chris that nobody comes to the program and not sing before they leave. Oh, my goodness. So he was going to go ahead and do a little mini concert. I think he had about four or five songs that he had ready. Send us home with a thought, anything on your heart, uh, so that our listeners can just get in the presence of God as we close the program. Lord, I thank you for music. You're the one who gives us a new song to sing. You give us songs in the night, oh God. You... Um, you have told us in your word in Psalm 22 that you live in, you dwell in, you inhabit the praises of your people. And we thank you that that word praise is a word that means to sing. And so, um, and so, Father, this is the song that's in my mind for some reason, and it's this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we fail to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a Mission. Joy, my King, in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet for live tweets during every podcast interview. You can even tweet your questions for our podcast guests by using the hashtag MWMPodcast. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, we'll talk with our very own Pastor William Carroll.